Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, we're all here. Hello. I just made these boys stay up late because uh, I was helping out at the Black Women in Comedy Festival, which was worth it. Sorry, guys. It was totally worth it. It's uh, one of the only decent festivals around in terms of uh, it's an actual festival where people who are hilarious and funny get put on. So I do want to rep that in preparation for the fact that I've kept both of my co-hosts up very late at night here. <laughs> so How did it go? It was great. Super excited to go back tomorrow for the wrap-up situation. I definitely was very happy to help out, but also just honestly to see all of my faves who were at the festival. So it was a very good festival. Definitely uh, when it comes around next year, when we're not just getting out of a pandemic, come check it out. But it was great. And I've got nothing bad to say. Only That's a very thing. presumptuous statement. Yeah, it is. It, I it, just have to say that it's very on theme for uh, tonight's topic. Yeah. <laughs> and white woman hosting an event in which I, I, uh, feminism is I, being used to turn black women against black men. I was just helping. Okay. But I will admit I was pulling the puppet strings of feminism to destroy the black family. I was trying to turn those black women against. But not, they were happy there to be uh, in my defense. Not only that, but the white lesbian feminism. Yeah, that white I think lesbian feminism, baby. That I think Bunny that is, represents. And I definitely represent it despite the fact that I am not a lesbian. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter because I give them that vibe. Mm -hmm. All white women are sort of lesbian. I mean, fair. And I say that as a not lesbian. Uh, <laughs> I do think it is part of the homophobic fear from our primary source from tonight's. We watched Buck Breaking, everybody. We watched Buck Breaking. I took notes. I took very loose notes, but a lot of those notes are this is just schizophrenic at this point. You know what? I super wish the staff, the crew had someone checking for schizophrenia. Well, I mean, it seems like they just like sent in a bunch of completely separate tapes of people rambling in no coherent order about a bunch of things they heard. Yeah. And then the editors are just like, I don't know. 
I guess we'll just like interlace them together and hope that like we can kind of tie sections into certain themes a bit. No, I think there was a very coherent order that was in the brain god genius of Tariq. It was his vision and this was the perfect encapsulation of that vision. It was clear anyone dissenting from the clarity of his vision was trying to buck break him. And that would be you right now. Right, but they just like went from like Tell me what didn't fit within a like, flow of You're talking of about Jim Jones and then black male students being disciplined in school. Completely related. Then Nat Turner. Completely then, related. Uh, then sex ed in school. Then the Communist Party. Yep. Then white people say you have to have sex with a trans woman or you're transphobic. Then absentee black fathers, which you kind of said like opposite things about a lot of the time. I do want to interject that there is a lot in here that Wait, wait, wait. Can we just can we just give like a 101 of what is buck breaking? Yeah, yeah. A general okay, before we get into the weeds of trying to take the parts out, because I feel like it's easy to get lost in the jungle of Fair enough. Don't say jungle, Stephen. I'm saying jungle. Let's call them weeds. The canopies. The canopies of Discussing a real documentary. I do want to interject that this is uh, Juneteenth. A, it is Juneteenth. Yeah, um, this is our I, okay, for my credit right now, I just came back literally physically from volunteering at the Black Women Comedy Festival, uh, which is amazing and great. And I, I say Juneteenth is half of this month uh, because I'm woke. So this movie that we watched Tariq Nasheed's documentary, Buck Breaking. In my interpretation, it is an an alternative history documentary. And yes, it's problematic that we watched it, but we did. And there's some fun parts about it, I gotta say. But just for everyone who's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, this is what we're talking about for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, okay, it's definitely about a thing. So it's about a theory that I believe this documentary goes above and beyond about. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but the idea essentially is that male gayness is a white invention that was imposed on the black man. According to this documentary, And it presented us with a very lovely alternative history that we will now review for you. Yeah, I think think it's a little more specific than that, even. Mm -hmm. I I think it's specifically claiming that there was a practice in uh, antebellum South chattel slavery called buck breaking. I have not independently researched this. I don't know if it's true. In which a male slave was sodomized by the master in front of the other slaves as a way for the master to assert dominance and break the will of the slaves. And that it goes further in saying that these patterns of emasculation have been repeated since the end of slavery by a white supremacist culture of primary concern if one is to fight white supremacy uh one needs to fight against the emasculation of the black man 
which happens through avenues. I actually made a list, but for brevity, uh, happens through avenues of general popular culture, but specifically that popular culture that calls for equality of gay people as well as speaks against uh, masculine traits particularly when they are found in black men, uh, which according to this documentary, in fact, society only speaks against masculine traits when it is found in black men uh, and speaks highly of masculine traits in white men, except in so far that white men are naturally less masculine than black. But to Bunny's point. I do want to make a point that this was a an idea that was in the past somewhat accepted in a weird way by the white supremacist establishment that black men in particular were more quote unquote masculine is sort of a thing that was somewhat cornied about by white supremacists. Like yeah, like, sure, and and like it, those ideas still exist. Like that, I just want to put it out there, uh, since we're all white here, that uh, Tariq Nasheed is not getting these ideas totally from a fantasy. There is some at least fantasy of a precedence here, right? Uh, that yeah, that, I mean, because, slavery having white supremacy exists, uh, like yeah. But I want to, I absolutely. But I want to take it a further step and say, like, even going back in the day, like there was a time in like. 1989, 1990, before we had developed more science around certain things where there was this sort of weird pseudoscientific idea about the super masculinity of black men. I mean, black uh, men having larger penises is still like a culturally recognized <laughs> But there was an effort to even outside of that legitimize this idea, right? Where you had people who were kind of white supremacist agreeing to the idea that black men were more masculine in athletic ways and et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's definitely like a thing. Well, okay. Uh, Bonnie, are you like apologizing on behalf of Greeks? right now as greeks are special and outside of this entirely no no, (laughs) not according to this documentary no i'm specifically i'm specifically referring to that greek sportscaster who made that statement like he was known as the greek wasn't he like that was his like nickname it's not a sportscaster it's a literal famous gambler who (laughs) okay Literally, in no way was a literal person who agreed to be in the public eye. It's literally like a thing where it's a narrative. But yes, fair, fair. I'll I'll give it up for this. But I do think there's an element of this that I want to make sure that everyone knows that a lot of these assumptions are not from one source. They come from several sources. So. Yeah, no, this is a long series of essentializing a lot of underlying racial assumptions. So I, I say all that to somewhat absolve us from the problematica that comes from us watching this movie, really. (laughs) Um, I I think we all had fun watching this particular alternative history. But that is how I interpreted it. 
So I will admit that right up front, right up here now, that I do see this as just a fun historical fiction, a fun uh, idea. I mean, it's worth noting it is terrible. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, they really jump around this timeline in a way that I'm like, come on, guys. You could have at least thrown me a bone for me to act like this wasn't crazy all over the place, but yeah, I, I would say um, there's better insane people movies that have been made in the past. Uh, this, I would say is a middling insane person movie. It could be, <laughs> I, I think it has a solid 90 minutes in there and you could basically cut anything because like, it's a series of anecdotes. It's a lot of like at the beginning, especially it very much feels like a lot of different people repeating similar ideas or directly contradictory ideas because that's also fun. I mean, the one thing about that, like black men as the hyper masculine, it's unclear if there's a problem with societal depictions of black men as like crazed, hyper-masculine, dangerous rapists, or if there's a problem with societal depictions of black men as uh, sissies. I do want to point out that the thesis of this film in particular seems to be that the sissy aspect is worse. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the very prominent things is I can't decide whether this movie thinks homophobia is real, but white people's fault. Fake, but like made up by white people. Or like a good thing, but the removal of Wait, homophobia or homosexuality? Homophobia. No, like specifically homophobia. There's the line that says, oh, they call black people homophobic, but actually uh, white evangelicals are more homophobic. And then it'll show a shot of James Baldwin with absolutely no explanation as to why they're showing a shot of James Baldwin. But if you know, you know. Um, But like, and then later... A lot of moments in this where you're like, Who's gay? What? Like, and then later they said about how the attack on the black church and the removal of the black masculine father figure, both in the form of the church leader and the actual father, uh, led to this acceptance of homosexuals. But so it's like, so are you saying that you, it's a good thing to be homophobic or a bad thing? Well, back me up, Bunny, but. I think what you said before was more truthful than uh, what Marlo's convoluting right now, which is that black men can't be homosexuals. Seems to be the underlying thesis. That is, in my interpretation of this particular film, that does seem to be an aspect of it. But I will give Marlo, there does seem to be some vague sense of organically gayness is a white people thing. But they do, to their credit, I guess, try to do this thing where they're like the hatred of gay people is a little bit more also white people. Which which is not to say that like black men are homosexuals. That just means that like black people are virtuous. It's not a question of whether or not homosexuality exists or whether or not it's a white thing or 
a black thing. It's about whether or not people were virtuous in the way they treat one another. And they view the attack on black people being homophobic as a, an attack on black people being virtuous. Right. But then that one, I think he was actually a preacher. He was standing by one of the plantation shots. Like they had several interviewers mm -hmm. that looked like they were standing in a plantation. But one of them then made the point about acceptance of LGBT people is also imposed by whites. So, Well, because the fixation is very much on, it's a very masculine idea. It's, it's very fixated on dominant, submissive, sort of gay guy situation. There's like very little about homosexuality among women. It's all about masculinity and masculinity being stolen from people. And Lesbian is always followed with the word feminism. Yeah. Much. Well, and that's the thing is like what was sort of hilarious to me is this idea that I, well, you know, the the classic idea that women don't exist. Which, when you're speaking about, um, you know... Marlo, let her talk. See, that's it's a good fine. example. It's fine. No, it's fine. Like, I mean, did you guys get that? Uh, yeah. Like, that it was like women were just deleted from this thesis. Like, they're only part and parcel to whatever argument is being about men and their masculinity. I have a couple quotes. My favorite one that is directly a part of this is, feminists would not exist if it were not for black men. Which I'd love to give black men credit for that in a positive way. <laughs> well, and then it cut to a picture of Frederick Douglass. Yes. It sure did. <laughs> Which, yeah, Frederick Douglass was famously an early feminist who called himself a woman's rights man, which was the word for feminist at the time. Right, because like, and I, I do want to just make a point here, but uh, not popular to feminist people until very recently. Yes. Uh, like just, I can't emphasize enough how little it was a concern of the mainstream people in any context to consider women full people. Even when we're talking about a time when feminism is a word, it's still like this secondary class. And that is very abundant in this documentary. Like there, there's no women, there's no black women. There's another example uh, is the Sojourner Truth. Um, yeah, that was insane. Her speech, Ain't I a Woman speech. Which is, which is a favorite history nerd thing for me because it's a very famous incident. Her speech at this conference, but something that people don't know and what I hated that got kind of mishmashed in this documentary is if you learned it, it's not even you might have heard of it, but it's not even necessarily something you learned intensely. But if you learned some sort of 
approximation of the speech, you probably learned a weird, stereotypical revamp of it. Because this woman, Sojourner Truth, spoke Dutch initially. She would not have said ain't. And there is a project, the Sojourner Truth Project, I think it's called, where they have gotten several performers together to perform the actual speech as close as they can approximate it in her dialect that she would have had giving this speech. So yeah, it would have been maybe a broken English, but it would have been from another angle. It wouldn't have been this sort of Southern stereotype of how black people spoke. Uh, Southern American, rather. Sojourner Truth uh, grew up with a Dutch family and had this Dutch dialect and yeah, so side note look that up right that's probably the least problematic thing about how they presented the speech exactly so i'm just saying like there's real people out here doing real historical fucking nerd work about this particular thing but yes they included it in this documentary Steven, um, do you want to sum up how they presented yeah, the speech? They said that white feminism twisted it to make it about women when it was actually about how black people universally were being degendered. Ain't I a woman was a reference to how she was degendered in the, you know, slavery or antebellum. Was it during slavery or after? Yeah, it was slavery? during slavery. And how losing gender was the way in which they basically buck broke both men and women, but mostly men, because they made them do the same amount of work, no matter if they were men or women or pregnant or whatever. And this film makes the point that tries to infer that Sojourner Truth was saying, oh, we wish we could be like the same kind of feminine. Right. Um, And and I I think especially for us to make a point as the Pingo Kami sluts we are, I believe Sojourner Truth was making a feminist socialist, arguably, argument here. Like she was making a point and it did resonate with people of the time. Because she was responding to the idea that women and inferringly white women were of a certain species almost that they could only operate a certain way. And she brought another perspective and she didn't say anti-woman, but she did say I am a woman's rights. And definitely, again, go look at this Sojourner Truth project because there is this great theater project where they recreate that speech. Not everybody learned it. And who's going to learn it now? Because I'm sure it's being lumped in with critical race theory. But the way it was taught was not in any of these contexts. They may have made it up. Anti-woman, they like literally rewrote it in a very stereotypical way to make it sound. It really, it was a speech that was presented to different demographics for different agendas. Right. to see it yet again presented in a new way for a new agenda. Right. The, the general framing of the speech, though, is they were at this conference where someone made a speech about how women need to be protected and their delicate little flowers. And Sojourner Truth stood up and said, 
I'm a woman and this is what I've been through. I don't need your protection. I'm not a delicate little flower. That's the general way the speech is taught. Um, That's how I learned it. And this documentary is arguing that instead what she was saying is, but I'm a woman and no one's protecting me. Please protect me. Like essentially is how the movie framed it. Yeah, exactly. And I love, I love when men present an idea of a femininity that they're like, we know about this and you want it so bad. You desire it so bad inherently as women. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, this does not ring true to me at all. It's like a a fantasy that exists only within men's minds, Uh, this certain femininity. But yeah, more or less, that is the argument they make. But the degendered part is the part that's interesting because it, and throughout this whole thing, there is a explicit and implicit transphobia going on. There's this intense transphobia going on. But yeah. so like what was amazing to me is that they bring up Sojourner Truth and they don't fixate on this made up weird version of the speech that was presented to people. Right. Like, the, like, well, they didn't focus well, on yeah, anything. There was like an opportunity. I mean, yeah. yeah there's an opportunity there to focus on. Um, it's a, a certain person. Her name was Frances Gage. And she like 10 years after the speech was given is the one who was put down in the books. And it was so ridiculous of a parody of the idea of a patois like where I again respect the project to recreate the actual speech here but I'm surprised that that was not because they don't care she's not a person woman she's a woman that's the whole thing is that well no the point that they're putting forth is that there is homogenous. Like that's what's the most kind of juicily bigoted about this movie and about this point of view is that like you have this opportunity to make more arguments supporting your own general thesis, but because you're so misogynistic, yeah. you, won't, you don't even see it. To your credit, Bonnie, um, I mean, the the one thing is, if you're going to make a presentation on sexual assault that happened on the plantation, there is a widespread documentation of that. But it's against women. Women. And yeah, which they did lightly touch on, but it was only in passing. And it's not. I think they actually called the offspring octoroons. (laughs) Yeah, no, they they touched on it because you have to, because it's fairly well known. You can see the result of it. That's not the aspect that shapes the whole thing. Right. That's not a problem. And emasculating the men. And, you know. I mean, frankly, it's the rape of the women is bad because it made the men sad. Well, he has a whole thing. I I looked into it. Uh, He's the bedwench guy, too. Mm. He he sure is, yes. Um, He's the one that said interracial relationships between black women and white men makes black women bedwenches. And that... But let's also be fair. He was also a pimp who talked to Michael Moore one time. Mm -hmm. He's the lead singer of a pretty sweet R&B group called Mink Slide that was pretty popular like three years ago. 
He also has other documentary series called Hidden Colors, which follows a lot of this. All right. I need to bring this particular one up because I got into a literal vendetta with another comedian over this movie. And let me just make it clear. Movies. There's five of them. Yes. But the overall thesis of Hidden Colors is similar to buck breaking in the way that Hidden Colors implies that basically there's all these secret black people in history that are not being admitted to. And in that people like myself, the Greeks, are not admitting their black history. And my issue is that all the evidence pretty much we have from the ancient world about the connection of the ancient Greeks to Africa, et cetera, is in the ancient Greek. They weren't hiding it. So uh, it's fucking bullshit to pretend that the ancient Greeks had some white supremacy in them fulfilling a modern stereotype. But I literally got into a fight with another comic over this, a white comic who... (laughs) Insisted to me that Hidden Colors was a real and true, authentic documentary, and I couldn't admit that my ancestors were black. And I was like, that is, uh, it's not a dichotomy, right? Yeah, according to some older British people, the Greeks are black. Exactly. Also, if you want to go way back to some actual ancient history, please read Black Athena, volumes one through three. Professor Bernal uh, wrote these tomes, uh, basically pointing out how the Greeks themselves were like, yeah, we're hella influenced by Egypt and Semitic people. So uh, that's our history. Mm -hmm. Um, and whatever. And the 18th, 19th century uh, Western Europeans did not like this. Prior to that, they had not denied this idea. But then with the advent of what would go on to become like race science, these ideas pop up. That's what's funny when I'm watching this movie is that like they just skip they don't even talk about well yeah about Egypt they like skip over Hellenistic the whole oh they do not believe that the Egyptians had any Greek influences but it's like the Greco-Egyptian era doesn't even exist at all Uh, no absolutely not no (laughs) it was all black people and then the Arabs showed up and started buck breaking them where where I'm like then who is talking me who was Cleopatra like what the fuck explain this to me how does this work because one of my things is that the Greco-Egyptian world was one big world for hundreds of years that the modern understanding sort of minimizes we do this whole thing about the Greco-Roman world it's arguably more accurate to talk about a Greco-Egyptian world than it is to talk about a broad Greco-Roman world, you know? Like, we're talking about the Roman world when we talk about that. Yeah, the 19th century uh, European race scientists buried it because it made the Greeks too black, and these guys are burying it because it makes the Egyptians too white. I guess, but... And really, tan guys. 
the, the denial of uh, gold. Yeah, no, any real scholarship would be an improvement on this. I'll, I'll definitely agree with you yeah, there. I mean, I was reminded of how much any of these people could read even a single thing by Angela Davis. Uh, like, of course, I have a classic student, but a ton of my knowledge is also thinking about what I read from Angela Davis and what I read, like these other things where I'm like, how is this completely absent yeah. from this like perspective and et cetera? Well, we know how it is because misogyny. I mean, that's at least my point of view on it. The horniness for discounting women is so strong. What know. did you think of the women in this? There were like two of them. There were three. Oh, three? There were three of them. And you know what? Are you okay, ladies? Do you need my help? Like, okay, what did anyone think of the one white guy who looked like a gnomish wizard? Dude, this is not the way. Make up for it, man. Well, you're you're aligned with the... With the well, about the about the women, I felt like they went above and beyond just tokenism that I expected. Yeah, like like I thought that they were going to be kind of tokenized, and because there are parts of this that do make points that are good points that are real problems with race relations and acceptable, like I guess historical things, and then like halfway into like the second sentence of them explaining like systemic oppression and racism, they'll do like the hotep turn yeah. and it'll be like, oh yeah, systemic racism exists. There are these racist institutions and also the gays are in the water. You know, right. we're drinking too much fluoride, guys. So we should stop drinking the water of the white man and stop being gay. And they did this turn like over and over and over again. And the women in this did it less, except for the one woman who really towed the line of, you know, she was kind of the beacon that went back to the transphobia over and over again, where did it um, have either of you seen the HBO Black Lady sketch comedy show? Uh, no. Uh, Robin Feed, who's the head writer on that <laughs> character where she's a lady hotep. And she kind of touches um, on this area where it's like this nexus of adhering to like really hardcore misogyny. In this guise of strength. Yeah, um, no, they absolutely. a great job of it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, but yes, like I felt this vibe from the ladies in, in the documentary where, I don't know, it almost felt like they had agreed to it for a reason. I mean, or they actually believe this. They I, could. Not that I don't think they believe it. I think there's a desire to believe it that like... What? Came through to me, like they want to believe it. I mean, it's impossible question. that they could believe it. They believe it, but it made me go, do they believe this because of a specific thing that happened to them? Like it made me wonder if this was just a justification for something particular that had happened to them. Well, I felt that about all these people. Yes. I, yeah. And like the the Islam guy is interesting, you know, broadening this a little bit. Uh Riza Islam. Yeah. Um 
Which gets into the other point that was distinctly absent from this. He's a Nation of Islam bow tie. Where there were two two Nation of Islam bow tie guys. Uh, I want it. Riza Islam is a Nation of Islam uh, social media influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's well known for being pretty inflammatory, but yes, he like he very much dresses up in a way. Uh, where he fits that bow tie. Well, he has a moon and star pin on the bow tie, which is just... It's just cool, I will say. No, it's cool, but, like, you know, he doesn't want you to have any questions, which, thank you, Riza, Islam. I I do believe uh, part of his, like, cred is that he did, like facilitate some sort of like peacemaking between like rival gangs or something like that. Well, okay, I did read about this. He his parents were both Scientologists. Oh, oh my god, I didn't and know that amazing. His both his parents are Scientologists, which he's distanced from himself from, <laughs> but he facilitated a peace brokerage between That's- the nation of Islam and and Scientology in the two. No, 2000s. but he talks about how they're they have relations between NOI and Scientology for sure. Like they are American made revivalist tradition, like two, three steps further, you know. Um it's amazing. I love it. I did not know that about his parents. Yes. And he's most notably anti-Semitic. Yes, so I was excited to learn this because I didn't know that uh, before. I was familiar somewhat with him as a person from the young modern nation of Islam. But since the 90s, since Louis Farrakhan, uh, there hasn't been a concerted effort to lessen the anti-Semitism. So... uh, it's definitely an aspect of it. Uh, he also is a member of Fruit of Islam. Nice. Is an all-male paramilitary and security wing. Yeah, it's a security arm of the Nation of Islam. They've been around since the 60s. They uh, famously murdered uh, Malcolm X. Exactly. This is my this is my problem with Louis Farrakhan. He murdered Malcolm. Which is also one of my favorite things that Riza Islam did was he like tried to push this narrative that oh they're doing revisionist history on Malcolm X and I'm just like buddy, buddy. <laughs> who killed him? You're a part of the organization that murdered him for going against your organization. Now you realize he's actually more famous and popular in the public conscious than the Nation of Islam. Incidentally, part of the reason you guys murdered him in the first place. Uh, But now you're just acting like, oh, yes, he's one of our fucking saints. And it's like, yeah, okay, dude. Yeah, they're being revisionist about Um, Here's his list of things that he believes. Jewish people are not the true Jews, uh, which is why he spells Jew-ish with a dash as a derogatory connotation. Jew-ish. Oh, I see. Yeah, Jew-like. Aligning with the black Israelites. Jewish people control the media in Hollywood, the the old favorites, and use that control to censor black people. 
Jewish people disproportionately owned slaves or controlled the slave trade. Jewish people and members of the LGBTQ plus community are pedophiles and or promote pedophilia. LGBTQ plus so-called agenda is part of a calculated effort to feminize black men and bring on the extinction of black people. No one is born gay, which goes back to my point. It is forced upon through chemical manipulation by the government and international bankers, uh, Jews. Um, vaccines cause autism, illness, or death, particularly in black children. Vaccines are part of a government depopulation plot targeting black people. There was no, no mention of Jews in this documentary. The closest they got was talking about Epstein. Epstein, and then like they said something in terms of the people who control Hollywood. Mm -hmm. The Epstein thing was fucking hilarious, though. I just have to say that um, because it's so clearly they wish there was even a single black victim. They were chomping at the bit to even have a single verified documented black victim of Jeffrey Epstein. They were mad that it was all white chicks. They, they were. Like, they were. And, like, the one guy's just like, well, you know, like, that island, it was in the Caribbean. So... Yeah. We're going to find some more. Yeah. No, they just like. They We're going to find them. some natives on that island that they use. That is an uninhabited island as far as I know. Male and female. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein was very not gay. I, I mean, like, despite what some people are weirdly claiming. But, um, yeah, very notably targeted white women. Well, white girls, Self-crit, but um, yeah, like, no. Wait, exactly, and uh, I just, what's fun about this is that, like, victimization only exists for people like the people making this documentary. That is the part of the thesis there. It, it was Adam Sandler, Chris Farley. It, it was just like, yeah, well, Jeffrey Epstein uh, also rates black boys and, and girls. No, he didn't. Yeah, but could you imagine if he did? They let him do it all. They wouldn't have even killed him. Yeah. Well, they also went into the other Jeffrey Epstein guy, the apartheid. South yeah, okay, that shit's true. And like, yep. yeah, no, that, that shit's totally true. And like, yeah, they're right about that. And then they like immediately veered into lesbian feminism is the problem because they were afraid that they were actually talking about something that was true for a change. Yeah, yeah they like panicked. <laughs> they were like, oh shit, we're actually starting to make a point. Stop it. But yeah, no, Bird Island, um, I did a little research, but yeah, it was like a giant rape island for South African VIPs, apparently. Um, <laughs> it's always the VIPs who get to do all the raping, you know? Yeah. Why do you think that there was no explicit mention of Jewish people? Because it seemed like they they wanted to. It would have crossed the line that would have fucked the distribution. They know the rules. Yeah, no, I mean, like, frankly, those people's rules. Yeah, yeah, no, like some media powers that be would have, like, really hampered the distribution over what what it is now. I think he would have trouble getting it uh, sold on Amazon Mm -hmm. uh, is the thing. I mean, he, you know. The kind of thing, though, if it got more attention, this would definitely be 
an aspect of how people would criticize it. Yeah, it would give people something very concrete to latch onto, other than just saying it's, well, I mean, there is a lot concrete, but it would give them something else that's concrete. Don't think about the misogyny. Yeah, the misogyny and the homophobia and the transphobia, like, it's all there. But, like, if they also said, oh, yeah, and the Jews are doing it, like, that would have, like, rang a lot more alarm bells and gotten a lot of people's attention who probably haven't been well, paying attention to this. And I don't know if this is inappropriate to say, but some of the people I know who have the most sort of batshit Zionist kind of reactionary views are the people I have come across who are fixated on something that Louis Farrakhan said in 1997. Like, I do think there's an element there that they're like trying to avoid a certain antenna being up. They're like trying to skirt around it. But it's definitely there. You know, I think also they don't know. I think they it definitely feels like they like to leave some ambiguity in this area for some reason. Yeah. Real juice is, is, I think, part of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like no one possibly Judge Joe Brown would have like said, hey, maybe I don't want to be in this thing if you guys are talking like about the Jews. Like, that's kind of weird. I feel like most of those people wouldn't have an issue talking about the Jews, like on the face of it. Yeah, the, that wizard dude, the one white guy, I kind of looked him up. Apparently, he's a like just a conservative talk radio guy uh, from Tennessee. And can't imagine he'd have a problem. But I did like how he kept using the term us in a way that every other person being interviewed, when they said us, they meant black people. And the one white guy was also saying Was us. he was he white though? Yeah, he was. No, yeah, absolutely. He, he's this Tennessee like talk radio, like right wing talk radio guy. I think it's interesting because I, I was looking at some of the trailers for The Color and Ice-T was in it. So they had some pretty big, heavy hitters in terms of celebrity guests. Ice-T and somebody else. They yeah. had a rapper in this one, too. Yeah, you can get mainstream rappers to appear on, like, Who? you know, business uh, history. Uh, getting mainstream rappers to appear on something that's this blatantly homophobic today would be a bit of a problem. I'm completely... But there was the one rapper that... There was the one rapper I was completely... He he was like, you gay. Yeah. If you you think you're just having sex with someone and the only one that's gay is the one that's taking it, man, you both gay. Or something like that. Well, this guy, his entire career seems marked by people trying to get him to wear a dress and him saying, no, I will not wear a dress. (laughs) That literally he had multiple stories where he was in certain situations where various creatives were saying, "Okay, now we want you to wear a dress. And he had to put his foot down. And that's how he's kept his integrity through his career. Well, that was what was keeping him from being feminized. Yeah, no, he, he, he stopped it. I don't, I don't know. This whole thing, it just made me be like, how horny are you guys for this idea? It's just so like, I feel like so many things 
are more easily explained by less homoerotic fantasies about abuse. Well, I mean, this is like conspiracy theories versus scholarship everywhere, where it's like, I, I read a whole fucking Angela Day. I, I keep bringing her up because she's intensely relevant to the subject material. Uh, but I read a whole fucking Angela Davis book about the white feminist movement and the ways that it uh, went against the needs and interests of black men and women and laid it out and laid out a very strong argument and then you have these like black women who are being interviewed uh for this documentary and they're just like oh yeah well that's just trying to make me hate black men and i'm black first and i'm i i'm not oppressed as a woman i'm oppressed as a black person and it's like yeah okay sure i mean what i enjoyed the most about the alternative history here was the idea that being gay came from the ice age yeah your, your penis is cold so you have to stick it in your buddy's butthole any any hole do yeah no that's like basically i spelled out what their argument was implied as but that was their implied argument yeah. Sometimes your penis is cold well, when you're in the ice age. Homosexuality was attached to dominating other cultures. But okay, so like I have been aware of this certain line of thought about quote unquote buck breaking uh, as it pertains to slavery in the American colonies where there's this idea that uh, white slave owners raped males in front of the other slaves to like show dominance in this way. But I, look, I don't, I haven't done the research, but I feel as though the fixation on this idea, um, whereas like, obviously they were raping women all the time. The fixation on this idea of like breaking the men in this certain way is a little bit in itself homoerotic like oh yeah well, did you see the pictures jesus yeah, it oh, was, okay the like wiki how drawings in the first he, half of this no movie these sex paintings these sex paintings who even has awareness of so many sex paintings there well he commissioned them that was the <laughs> thing wait okay are we talking about the classical paintings or the or the like wiki how images the, the, the deviant art pictures yeah According to the commentators on the video, he paid someone to make those sexy pictures with the very attractive slave owners. Oh, yeah. No, it was totally a fiber job There's of a lifetime. There's sexual paintings in this movie that, like... Yeah, I think you're talking about those classical, like, artwork. Is that it's what both. It's just like an overabundance of sexual paintings in general, though. I felt like we were swimming in them. And like, who could tell? I liked how they would transition from a, like a, a, a classical sexy painting of a black man kneeling in front of a slave owner into like a stock video of a child studying at school and then come out of it <laughs> and then come out of it in a like... A guy twerking. Oh God! They they use so many many shots of black men twerking, and it was so great every time. (laughs) Like if this movie honestly was not that enjoyable, that would be like a definite drinking game. I would say. I mean, I don't know how much we're really wrapping up, but 
if I had to give an assessment of it, I'd say if there's more fun movies to watch that are like bad or uh, horrible for ideological reasons. Well, I am interested in seeing whether or not this one is better or worse than the the Hidden Colors because the I Hidden Colors we can't um, make this a series. We cannot make this a fucking series. No, I'm I'm just saying it, okay. it seems like those go into exciting topics as well. Uh, with Hidden Colors, like I said, I got into I got into a very antagonistic argument with another comic who is white about this movie where me and and people of color who are friends of mine like yeah this is a well-known weird propaganda movie (laughs) and uh this girl in particular was like had interpreted it as this authentic (laughs) documentary and like i i mean i get it because they take all these pictures these paintings and they say doesn't this look like a black guy and uh it's very compelling uh the way they do it but like i said the thesis that ancient people in spain or in greece uh had an anti-black prejudice is a leap you have to make in the first place. You can only be like a dumbass American with very tenable knowledge of the ancient world to like think that's a real, you know what I mean? You have to just assume that what you're perceiving as dynamics in the modern world existed throughout all time in perpetuity. All right, let's talk about the religion. There is a almost conflicted religious statements going on yes mm-hmm. on one hand it does seem like they're upholding like traditional christian values and there's a deep seated like wanting to spread the gospel but on the other hand white christianity is the source well Catholics are all pedophiles. That's one thing that I learned from this. Especially those Portuguese. Right. But in this, it was like Catholics writ large are a pedophile cult. But Christianity is a colonizing, raping death cult. Which I do love because like as opposed to Islam, which never does any of that. Well, I mean, and at the same time, they do wax nostalgically about this black church that was destroyed at some point, but also is the only way out. But also they aren't clear whether black Christianity is bad, too. Like, they, it's all very conflicted, as I've it been feels saying. like they want to leave space open to be hateful toward, like, Coptic Ethiopian Christians. <laughs> like, they're like, we're the real deal, etc. But also, we want to have a uh, an argument here where the people who literally exist, who could arguably be in this vein, we want to be able to discriminate against, so... I, I definitely got that vibe from it because I, I feel like it's a very easy argument if you want to make a somewhat Afrocentric Christian originist argument. Well, it's- there was also a lot of ADOS shit in this as well that was sort of discounting and xenophobic towards Africa. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. 
But yeah, no, I mean, I would say the thesis on, I mean, well, that's another thing. They never mentioned the word Jew. They also never really mentioned the word Islam. Like, uh, if we also yeah, want to talk yeah. about that as an absence, they, they no. never said the word Islam in that movie, to my remembrance. Well, and I mean, there's, it seems to be purposeful, I think, because, like, definitely there's a conflation of certain Arab peoples as white in this, in this documentary, uh, and meaning as white as evil. <laughs> Am I white Islam? Or is that just Turkish people? Wow. Well, there's they, uh, they, they the Balkans. They don't uh, Turks. Well, and then the way they talk about Egypt is like they just, again, skip over huge chunks of Egyptian history and skip to like basically the Arab conquest and interpret that as white people infiltrating this land. Which I mean, I'm not against necessarily. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just like very interesting because there was no like deep dive into much ancient history at all. Like it was very glossed over. Um, which is good. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I would prefer less projecting modern dynamics into the ancient world as possible. I did love, I did love, they were like, uh, look at those statues of those Greeks with their tiny little dicks. Mm -hmm. And then look at the way they represent the black man. What other race could stand up against the black man in terms of manhood? <laughs> I really love that quote. I, I just, you know, I've I've watched this now like three times. But, but like it ignores the fact that there were all these big dick statues. Well, there's only one big dick statue, and that's the one outside of the Pope's house. He comes out and he looks, and it's just a giant black phallus. Isn't it ironic that the Pope is staring at a black phallus every time he opens up the window? Well, I'm just saying that there were a lot of big phallus statues in the ancient world. They were just done for certain purposes. And also they were easy to break off so they don't survive intact the same way as the little tiny delicate uh, introverted penises on the, you know, most pristine sort of cultures. So like there's this whole ignorance of like fucking art history and like all this shit. And like like what's the purpose of putting a big dick on a statue? Like it's not it's not like statues were meant to be photorealistic interpretations of things. Nobody thinks that. No nobody who studies art history is like that's what's supposed to be a fucking exact approximation of a literal human being. That's not a thing. <laughs> okay, here's a challenge. Was there any good points that they made? I would say no. And <laughs> I would say that any uh thing you want to frame that in the scatter shot of random anecdotes you could derive like oh he happened to say something factual or oh he happened to say something factual that might not be commonly known that does happen occasionally but it's entirely accidental and in kind of this isolation as is most of the shit they say in this and it just it never gets integrated into any possible analysis that could be a decent point well you 
act like this is analysis. This is an analysis. Well, yeah, no, I know. I just don't think they made any good points. Funny. There were things I enjoyed about it. Uh, Not that I'd say they made good points. I'm really trying to think of something that I could, like, muster up as, like, yeah, that was good. Really, they just, they don't talk to enough women in this. I feel like I would have more something a little nice to say if it wasn't so starkly, like, five dudes who seem horny for the idea that someone's going to try to force them to be gay. Who isn't? I do have my list of uh, things that turn you gay, according to this movie. I want to hear it. Uh, Steven, do you have a possible good point? Uh, the possible good point, I think, is that they seem to have some understanding of the way in which racism works on an institutional level in America. However, the understanding of institutional racism is always undercut by what they prescribe yeah. uh, their prescription of like what led to that racism and the the ways in which those things could be remedied because at the end of the day and i think going off of bunny's point the argument that they are making isn't so much that women are invisible or that they they are implicitly arguing that but they are arguing that we need black male patriarchy in order for the family structure because they they make this point over and over that white supremacy is constantly trying to separate black men and black women from one another and all of their arguments derive from that and to a certain extent that's almost true but like the conclusions that they come to about that is that therefore we need only black people should only date black people and also that the male patriarchy needs to be instated and reinforced because it's under attack from white feminism from the transgenderism from it's uh, yeah a huge apparatus of gays that is from time immemorial that is good and pure and true and like saves people you know no there's no question that that it saves people it enlightens people it uh it, it wakes people up to the truth about god from god because they are the ones, you know, they are the kings that are endowed with the knowledge of God that they pass down to the subjects, which are also incidentally women. And so that way of presenting the patriarchal structure is under attack. And to me, that was the central message because at the end of the day, when they're talking about the de-gendering, the feminist movements and when they're talking about homosexuality it is all relative to the attacks on the patriarchy and black patriarchy in in particular and they see delineation between white supremacy and liberal social movements to undercut the power of the black patriarchy and i don't think that all of that is untrue. 
I just think that the way in which they frame it is extremely self-serving, misogynistic, and very race-separatist. Homophobic. Homophobic and sexist. Yeah, it's the central thing to me. It's just like how juicy it seems for people to believe that like the gayification of things is the central crux of everything. Um, Just imagining... uh... What what is his name? Tariq, Tarek, whatever. Uh, just like breaking out in a sweat as he's imagining in like excruciating detail, uh, getting pegged by a uh, slave. <laughs> he wants it so bad. <laughs> anyway, things that make you go according to this movie: non-exhaustive list, of course. White people, women, methadone. Saying black men are oversexed and hypermasculine. Saying black men are feminine and harmless. Feminism. Soy. Absent black fathers. Forcing black fathers to be present. Lesbian <laughs> feminism. The church. Secularism. Turks. The school system. <laughs> the prison system. Maybe the hospital system, eh? <laughs> Maybe Jews, but we won't say that. The Ice Age. Well... And most of those things that you listed off are institutional things that are white-dominated. Some of them are soy and methadone. Yeah, but I mean, like, the hospitals, the justice system, like... Turks. Turks. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. right. Turks are white. Same here first. We agree on this aspect. I did think of you when they did bring him up. Erdogan is POC and queer coded. (laughs) I'm so mad at that. (laughs) POC because he's Turkish and queer coded because I don't know, he drinks coffee or some shit. I I don't know. (laughs) I feel like you can come up with something better, but I was just going to be yeah. like, <laughs> like, you wouldn't like that. I feel like Erdogan would not like it if I was like, you seem gay. Uh, Even though I... Oh, I did. Okay, if we're just a uh, random quote, uh, Black America is under an estrogen assault. I love that quote. I, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I had to also, go back and that, listen uh, to it like three times. I wrote that uh, minority report scene, like where they just like showed like white people like machinating about like controlling black society and they had a giant minority report computer. Yeah. I just love the idea that uh powerful rich white people are like, you know what would make me so excited is uh controlling a percent of the twelve percent of this country that is black. <laughs> like I just love this idea. Not to say that there aren't nefarious white people out there. There certainly are. I just think they are... It's more institutional than that. It's more institutional and it's more like happenstance if it is personal. Like it's more like, oh, oops, I didn't realize who gives a shit because I want to fly my helicopter into the volcano or whatever they do. I don't know what rich people do. What are they doing now after COVID? Who knows? Not Tariq Nasheed, because I got no information on that in this in this documentary. <laughs> I did get some fun ideas about if I wanted to be a very specific kind of bad white person. I did appreciate that. So, like, I've got like, that. Like what? 
No, if I wanted to be the sort of evil white person that Tariq Nasheed like is, well, you're, you're dating a black man, so I think that accounts for. I'm already doing part of it, especially <laughs> he's light skinned. So like, it's already many layers here. Well, you're feminizing him. <laughs> yes, he would make this argument, Tariq Nasheed. So I like that. I like the idea that feminizing people would defeat them in some way, you know, if only, right? <laughs> I like a, I like a historical fiction. I like an alternative history. I think really that one guy just needs to be put in a dress and like he's he's already 90% there to being feminized. He just needs that little push, you know. Or like yeah. Just like, dude, do it, and you'll, you're fine. It'll be fine. Like, what are you so scared about? You make all, you're participating in this whole movie? Come on, you're fine. You can do something that's one tiny percent gay and not be gay. It happens all the time. These guys don't know that and made a whole movie about it. There was so many other good quotes. Like, there was the other bow tie guy who was into the like psychosexual competition between black and white men and how lynching was a way to oh, harvest spiritual energy. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my God. It was, I just rewatched it before this episode and the guy was like, you know, lynching, you know, you each person has an amount of spiritual energy. Yeah, and yeah. He gave this very complicated cosmology. <laughs> it was like some like Harry Potter shit, to be honest. Like it was like Horcruxes. Yes, it really was Horcruxes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if you kill someone at the right time, you get to like suck in their juice of their soul. Like it was very like it was the mythology we're dipping into right now. Oh, it was so good though. I did enjoy it. I I'm not lying. Personally, though, I think I enjoyed it in a way that you guys maybe can't relate to because I like the idea that men of your uh, in the past, who had so much power over all the women in their world, were like such fucking dumb, stupid idiots. You know, like I really like this idea that all of these figures in the past were afraid of, you know, whether they were going to get to suck out the soul juice at the right time because they're dumb and they made this shit up. <laughs> like, I love it. A little bit. I do. But um, I mean, I prefer if I knew they were dumb and didn't know that literal dumbasses existed and killed lots of people and did all that stuff. So. Well, the, that kind of shit reminded me of uh, the Ancient Aliens series. A lot of this reminded me of a lot of the, the structure. Yeah, the the style. So even that kind of didn't jump around as much. Right, right. But the style of like dramatic. Music, a series of what are essentially unsighted anecdotes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and there was this one time I was on stage and they tried to put a dress on me, and I was like, no, I'm standing up for my people. Doom. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts and it's like, yeah, and they're harvesting adrenochrome from, you know, the, the souls of, of the lynched victims. Doom. 
Now, and then it'll cut and it'll be like, now Jeffrey Dahmer was gay and no one's ever told you that. Hitler was gay. No one's ever told you that. They're trying to tell you that Malcolm X is gay. Don't believe them. But you know who was gay? John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> All these serial killers are just... Look, I, I, I don't want to be problematic, but there is a lot of gay serial killers. <laughs> There's a few. To be sure. There's a lot. Uh, it's it's more than a few, uh, but we caught them. You know, don't see the cops going after straight serial killers. How about that? Right. And and the ones that they do catch, like Ted Bundy, they just let him out of the prisons. At least they once. let him. They let him out like two, three times. Yeah, and then and he goes straight to the sorority. But this guy, party. he tries to kill people every time. Oh my god! He goes straight to the sorority house. He literally escaped. Well, yes, he did the sorority one, but also there was the time he escaped and he attempted to attack someone right away who escaped. Like, he didn't even give it a day. It was... <laughs> at one point, we should uh, watch the Bundy movie. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Just the mythologizing of Ted Bundy I mixed with poor acting and the I, I i believe i've seen that movie because at the end of it yes they yes like depict the prison guards abusing him and it's like it made me go like ah like poor what, ted <laughs> like yeah what am i supposed to feel about this because like, well, like this horrible murderer who like cannot it literally talked his way into escaping, etc., to go on and attack more people. And then he's being executed, and you see these like prison guards who are like, We're gonna shove shit up your ass. And I'm like, No. Why? Well, my favorite part of that is that they cut to a bunch of multi ethnic children. They, at the very, very end of that movie, and it might be a different movie, but they cut to children. Uh, standing on lawns holding up and they're and they're in like the this the weird fish-eyed lens where the in the 90s the the like the grass was purple and the and the sky was a different color and the kid is like i'm ted bundy and then they'll cut to another kid and they'll be like i'm ted bunny and then it'll cut to like a hispanic kid i'm ted bunny and then they cut to a white little kid and he's holding up a dead cat and he's like i'm ted bundy and then it cuts to black Oh, that movie is just fucking amazing. How many children do you have to, like, get to say that they were Ted Bundy? Well, more than what you saw. Yeah. That's what you know. <laughs> Hollywood. All right, guys. Uh, history, guys. History. Play some uh, of the, the, the song by uh, his band. Yes. <laughs> Please, dear God. See ya. See ya. See ya.